How are you doing? Good, good, good. Like Pastor Clayton said, I get to kick off the new series, and I'm excited about that. I'm so thrilled to get to share with you what God's been doing in my life. And, uh, but first, before we get to that, I want to just share with you about where I've been um, and, and what's happened in the past few months in my life. Uh, I moved here April 1st uh, with my wife and my son, Asa, who is three. Um, we moved here. My wife was pregnant. And uh, before we moved here, we knew that she, uh, that the baby she was carrying uh, was, had something that's called gastroschisis. And what that means is his intestines are on the outside of his body. Now, he's healthy. He's good. Uh, but when we got here, uh, they told us that we'd be in the NICU from anywhere two months to six months. And actually, he was in there 27 days, and he came home Wednesday. Yes. So... Um, Thank you guys so much for praying with us and, and, and being a part of that journey with us. Uh, yeah, there we are. Um, but uh, yeah, everything's great. He's um, doing what, what most one-month-year-olds do. He's sleeping, pooping, and eating. And so, uh, man, it's great. It's, we're so glad to be under the same roof as an entire family. Um, so, ready to move. Like I said, I moved here in April to lead the small, to lead the life team groups. And in that, before I got here, I was a youth pastor for six years. And in those six years, I got to pour into a lot of families and a lot of students. I got to live life with them and see the struggles they had. And a lot of the struggles they had were anxiety. These students dealt with, uh, struggled with anxiety, fear, depression, and anger. And in the midst of those six years, I asked myself the question, what if these families made serving God a priority? What would happen to these students if they would prioritize their faith journey over anything else? What I discovered over those six years was the core issue of many of those students was a battle of identity for their families. What is happening is, is that culture is sneaking in, trying to define what a family looks like. What is happening is, is that we are allowing ourselves to be manipulated into what our family should look like. A lot of the problems stem from uh, parents' past or just our schedules. See, families will spend eight to ten hours a week on a practice field. Families will spend hundreds of dollars on personal trainers and lessons, and some parents will work anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week. Now, all that is not bad. All that's not terrible in its own sense. But if it becomes a, a situation where those things are taking away from your family, if those things are keeping you from pouring into your family, they become a problem. You've got to be honest where your family is in life. You see, many of us walk around with, many of us walk around with our family, and we may think it, they look like this. But in reality, our family looks like this. As family, if we're ever going to fulfill the roles and purpose that God created for us to spread the movement of Jesus to change the world. We're going to have to start with our own world first. If we're going to make an impact on this, in, on this world through the movement of Jesus, it's going to start with our families. 
If we truly understand the purpose God created for our families, we've got to stop allowing celebrities, politicians, what side of town we live on, our bank account, full or empty, to define who our families are. Many families that exist within our society have lost the meaning of the word family. See, we've turned this community sense of family into an individual ideology. What many families have turned into are a group of people living together with different goals, traveling at 100 miles per hour in the opposite direction. God didn't create the family to be self-serving, self-reliant pods of people. God created families as a vehicle to advance the movement of Jesus. As I was researching this talk, I came across a comment from Glennis Whitwer from the Proverbs 31 ministry. She wrote, Today it's rare to see siblings and families serving alongside each other, either in church or in a ministry outside of the church. But what might happen if we initiated opportunities for our families to serve together? What if we served God with our own brothers and sisters at our side? See, serving God is a family affair. If we're going to redefine the relationships within our families, this is something we've got to get right. To make the movement of Jesus a priority, not just for the individual, but for the family as a whole. In order for this movement to be a priority for the family, two things have got to happen. First, God has to be put on the top of the family's list. Second, as a family, we've got to make choices to serve Jesus and the people around us. See, I'll admit, this is much easier said than done. But my hope is, our prayer here at City West, is that you will take this talk today and feel emboldened and empowered to defend your family from the culture that's trying to define it. So how do we do this? How do we follow the blueprint that God created for our families to fulfill the purpose he created for them? To answer that question, we're going to look at Joshua. See, many of you have heard Pastor Clayton talk about Moses. Moses was in the Old Testament. He led the Israelites through the desert. And then there was Joshua. Joshua took over for Moses when Moses died. Joshua was Moses' prodigy. Today we're going to be reading Joshua 24. And in this, we'll see this is Joshua's farewell address. This is Joshua's last message to the Israelites. If you skip back to chapter 23, we see that Mo Moses is stepping down because he's become too old. He can't lead anymore. See, here at City West, we don't have that problem. We've got Pastor Clayton, who is old enough to be in the bar, I think. So we won't be having that conversation for a while. But Joshua did stand up and say, I'm getting too old for this. So this was his last message to the Israelites. He had this platform, his last influential speech that he can have as a leader. So let's read what he chose to talk about in his last speech. We'll pick up in Joshua 24 at the end of his speech. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and in truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and worship the Lord. What we see here is Joshua is telling the people of Israel to remember the things that they have done for him. Remember the things that God has done for you. Remember when God saved you from Egypt as slaves. 
Remember that God fed you manna in the desert. Remember that God led you to the promised land that was filled with milk and honey. Joshua sees the people of Israel forgetting what God has done for them. See, Joshua speaks of being sincere and truthful in their service to God. To destroy the fake gods in their lives so that the real God can have priority once again in their lives. Putting God on the top of our list is a simple truth with big rewards. For Israel, it meant God's protection and blessing over their country. And it means the same for us. Have you ever heard the saying that a family that prays together stays together? Same is true for the family that puts God as the top of their priority. In 2003, that statement gained credibility. A survey by the National Study of Youth and Religion at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill found that adolescents ages 12 to 14 that were in households that were part of the movement of Jesus were more likely than their peers from households who were not to admire their father and mother, not to run away from home, eat dinner with their parents, and get this, allow their parents to be a part of their social life. You see, I've seen it happen. Like I said, I was a youth pastor for six years. I've seen it happen where families who make the movement of Jesus a priority, I've seen where students, where children of families would invite their parents to go to movies, would invite their parents to be a part of life, would tell them who their friends are, who they were dating. But for that to happen, the only time I saw it happen was when the movement of Jesus was a priority in the family. You see, we're a lot like Israel in Joshua 24. We're a society that's forgotten what God has done for us. So we just celebrated 64 baptisms last week. That's awesome. But will we remember that a month from now? Or will we allow our situations to define who we are? Will we allow our situations to allow us to forget about, those, about that celebration? Will we allow the world around us, culture around us, to allow us to forget about that? See, we're quick to forget what God has done with, for us, just like the Israelites. And so that message to the Israelites, Israelites are saying to us, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget the celebrations that we had. Imagine what our world would be like if, our, if everyone held on to the belief that you can have a family that is part of the movement of Jesus. Imagine the ramifications of having someone coming on a daily basis to know and believe and love Jesus. All that can become a reality, but it starts by changing your world and allowing God to be the priority of your family. So we can't leave the spiritual lives of our families up to the kid's city. We can't leave the spiritual lives up to the pastors at City Church. Whatever your family dynamic looks like, if you consider yourself a part of the movement, you have a responsibility to your family and the people around you. See, some of you here today are empty nesters. And you may be hearing me talk and say, I've done all that. I've done all that. My kids are in church, they're grown, they're involved, they're part of the movement. Great, good job. Now it's time for you to mentor other families. Some of you may have kids who are grown, who have made some decisions that you probably don't agree with. Your job isn't over yet. 
Continue to pray for your children. Continue to pray for the people around you. As believers, we have a responsibility. You may be a single mom or dad. You still have a family. Continue to do what you're supposed to do as a believer with your family. The truth is, you're a part of a family here at City Church. Every week, we have new people coming in to explore this movement that someone invited them to. We have people coming in every Sunday looking for someone to love them. As believers, as people who consider ourselves part of the movement, we have a responsibility to them that they find that love here. Don't forget what God has done for you. Share that with the people around you. The greatest tool you have for the kingdom of God is your testimony and what God has done for you. Don't forget it. Put God on top of your list so that your family can begin to make the movement of Jesus a priority. Joshua wanted the people of Israel to make God the most important thing in their lives. But there's one thing that Joshua wanted for the people of Israel, as he fin- one more thing that he wanted as he finished his farewell address. In Joshua 24, verse 15, it says, But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today which will you worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. See, we see here Joshua wrapping up one of the most important messages that he ever gave, if not the most important. He goes on to make this personal. But before he does, Joshua is telling them, choose God. For any of this to matter, first, you've got to choose God. He says, I may not be able to make you choose God, but my family will. And so people around you will not choose God. But will you? Courageously, Joshua is standing tall and saying, yes, my family will serve the Lord. When Joshua spoke one of the most defining statements in his message, he knew exactly what he was saying. He knew that meant for the rest of his life, for the rest of his family's life, that every day they would make the choices needed to serve God. The first step in proclaiming your family belongs to God is being honest where your family is. What Joshua did that day was not only completely transform his family's life, but for generations to come. When you make a statement that says, from here on out, my family will serve the Lord, you don't only change your family today, you change it for generations to come. Let me just take a minute and share with you why and how I'm standing here today. See, like Clayton said, we've been friends for a long time. And um, I, I met him through uh, a family member. Uh, my cousin was playing drums in his band. And he invited me to church one Sunday. And uh, I grew up Jehovah Witness until I was about 12 or 13. And, and so I grew up Jehovah Witness. And, and my family uh, is Jehovah Witness. And, and generations pass. So I was worshiping uh, false idols uh, of my fathers. And so I was, when my parents left the church, uh, I wanted nothing to do with, with organized religion. Even up until I met Clayton when I was uh, 25 or so. 
And so he invited me to church, and I wanted nothing to do with it. And you guys know Clayton. He doesn't take no for an answer. And so I, I finally ended up at church. I went one Sunday and didn't miss another Sunday for seven years. See, I ended up there for a reason. See, growing up, um, my, my family, I didn't get a whole lot of emotional uh, support. Um, I had all my needs, and I had a roof, I ate, and, and, but my parents were a product of their raising. And so, I, as for my dad, I don't know that I've ever heard, anyone, or heard him tell me that he loved me. But he was just a product of his raising. I've forgiven them for that, but I was still emotionally starved. So I walked into this church, and people were loving me. People wanted me around. People were telling me they loved me. I was getting hugs. I couldn't leave the place. The doors were open. I was there. I found the love that I was looking for because a group of people said, I will serve the Lord and serve the people around me. Not only that, the reason I went in, the reason I stepped in there was because Clayton invited me. See, his parents said, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So it was passed down to Clayton. And he shared it with me. So now my sons, Zane and Asa, have the ability to know the true love of the true God because of Clayton's parents saying, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Generations change when you make a statement like that. Generations change when you stand up and say, culture will not define who my family is. So it's not only today, but it's for future generations. And so as we close out, I like to teach, but I also like to resource you. And there's two things I want to ask you to do. One is commit yourself and your family to worship God and be a part of the movement of Jesus. If that's something you haven't done yet, and you say, well, we come to church on Sunday, that's just a small part of what we're doing. The larger part is you pouring into your family daily, some way, somehow. So yes, that is good that you carve out some time in your week to be a part of this gathering. That is great. But we want you to look at the bigger picture of your family. Look at your week. Second, commit to having conversations with your children, grandchildren, nephew, brother, sisters, whatever it is. Commit to having a conversation with them about the goodness of God. Now that can be intimidating, especially if you're a new believer. So we want to help you with that. This week, I want you to download a Download an app called the Parent Cube. What this app does for you is that it gives you conversation starters, it gives you Bible verses, and it's, it, it lines up with the age of your, 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 your children. So I have a three-year-old, and now I have a one-month-old. But with my three-year-old, when he was one and a half, two, I was using this app, and it said little short things. Tell Asa that God loves him. Tell Asa that God created everything. And so every morning I would give him a hug and say, hey, God loves you, buddy. And so by the time he was two and a half, or whenever he could talk, you would ask him, hey, who loves you? Jesus. Who made everything? Jesus. And so it's something as simple as that. He knows that Jesus loves him. And so we don't have to have these big theological conversations with our families. just simple, Jesus loves you, bud. And so uh, 
quick story. This morning, Noel and his little boy um, was here, and, and you ask him, hey, how much do you love, Noel would ask him, how much do you love me? And he said, Jesus much. Aww. And so that just, he, he learns that from the way Noel talks to him. So it's the conversations that make a different change generations. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for just who you are. God, I just pray that these families and people and individuals uh, feel um, the, the need to go out and, and proclaim your name and, and make you known. And we love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.